simply will not buy the world that the elders have given them. They see too much hypocrisy in it. They see too many things that are wrong with it. And I think that the elders are going to have to realize that they simply can no longer browbeat youth into following its established path. Welcome back to Sunset Politics. It's been almost four months at this point. Uh, we are so happy to be back. Uh, I'm Story. I'm Molly. Uh, and we are your hosts. So uh, how, has, how has it been? How's it been in the, uh, the long absence? It has been pretty good. Definitely a very busy winter quarter. Um, I started... I think I talked about this last time we recorded, but I had a, I started a new job, so it's just been definitely like learning how to balance work and school, but overall it's been really good. I'm excited for spring quarter, new classes and nicer outside, and I think also just getting back into recording again I think is just so much fun. I love having a space to talk about all of these things with you and all of our listeners. How about you, Story? How have you been? Yeah, it's uh, it's been great. I'm also starting a new job recently. I actually got a, a gig doing the sound design for a musical, uh, which is really fun. That's and it's awesome. gonna be a lot of work, but uh, <laughs> I'll be able to I'll be able to do it. Um, and yeah, I'm I'm also super excited uh, to get back into recording. I've missed uh, talking with you about you know everything that's going on in our world. Uh, in the meantime, I actually started a a blog, so you can read my writings. Um, I started in a, around January. Uh, so you just go to storyarnie.substack.com and you can read my stuff. I post, I try to post like once every couple of weeks. Yes, um, check it out. It's really, really good. So you should all go check that out and subscribe to it. Yeah, the latest article was about uh, Trump's possible arrest, which we'll get to at some point in this episode. Um, but before that, I think we were going to talk about some older stories and i think we're going to start with uh the chinese spy balloon that happened um it flew over the u.s when was that that was a long time ago i think it was like back in maybe end of january or beginning of february i want to say i took a intro to international relations class last quarter and that was a huge story that we talked about like consistently throughout like i think two weeks, I want to say, and it actually ended up being on our first exam just because of how like relevant it was to the course and what we were talking about. Nice. Yeah. Uh, all the articles that I'm looking at are dated in February. So seems like that's about when it happened. Yeah. It's about a month ago. Uh, there was a Chinese spy balloon, which you don't see very often, uh, but they do use them like uh, there was another one, like, at the same time that was, like, over Latin America. Uh, and eventually it was shot down by the U.S. because you're, you're not allowed to fly, like, a spy balloon over another country. Um, uh, and, yeah, it's uh, sort of... It's sort of fallen out of the, the news because it, it, didn't, it didn't really have a huge impact because it's, like, it's a spy balloon. You're not really going to get much from it. There's a reason why they don't use them. Uh, you're going to get more information from, like, a satellite uh, 
that can't be shot down. <laughs> so it's it's basically like a way for China to project power to say like, yeah, we're willing to like be brazen about like sending a spy balloon over American territory. Um, and America, you know, took a stand saying, though, we're not going to let that happen. Um, so that's I think, sort of the 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 big meaning behind the story. But uh, yeah. yeah, I think something else that was at least like we talked about in my political science class as well was it's very interesting to see like the way that they acted like China and like their response and saying that like the United States acted aggressively or like that we were very hostile because I don't know if you all saw the memes but the whole idea that it was a weather balloon was just hilarious um if you want to see the memes they're hilarious you can look them up on like TikTok or Twitter or any of those kind of social Careful media about sites TikTok. That, yeah, careful about TikTok. <laughs> we'll get to that later. <laughs> yes. But um, there's definitely a lot out there. But it's also interesting because obviously with all the, the, like with the war in Ukraine going on right now as well, the tensions between the U.S. and Russia are very high. And Russia and China do have a relationship. And so I think it's interesting that like both the U, uh, China and um, Russia are kind of testing the U.S. lately. Um, I've heard a lot of people kind of compare it to like a new Cold War in some ways. Um, or, like, the starts to a new Cold War just because it's, like, they're taking little actions and making, you know, but kind of making it seem like they're not trying to be aggressive when in reality they're trying to get a reaction out of the other country, which is really interesting. Yeah, when I took Intro to International Relations, my professor was very much like, yeah, the U.S. is starting this Cold War uh, by, you know, doing all sorts of aggressive stuff. And and I guess we can sort of, like, tie in the TikTok stuff because I think it's, it's relevant. Um but the U.S. is basically, I mean, really since the Trump administration and even like going back to the Bush administration probably has started taking more and more aggressive actions. Uh, my professor was always talking about missile defense systems and how Bush uh, pulled out of the ABM treaty uh, because he wanted to have first strike potential. And now we've basically wasted a bunch of money on missile defense systems that don't work. And now China is building more nuclear weapons because I mean what are you going to do if the other side is missile defenses you're just going to build more so that the missile defenses can't get them um, yes. uh, but yeah it seems like the big takeaway from this story is that uh, it's not just the US that seems to be starting the Cold War it's that China seems to be sort of leaning into it as well mm-hmm. yeah definitely and it's also interesting uh, as you're talking about the missile systems, because something else we talked about was New START, which was a deal between, I mean, sorry, please jump in if you can explain it better than I can, but it's it was a deal between the U.S. and Russia putting a cap on their inter- intercontinental missiles, I believe, and Russia recently backed out of that deal and said, because basically what that consisted of is um, they would have an official or from each country go make sure that the other country was actually holding up their end of the bargain, Um, And so Putin basically said, no, we're not going to be part of that anymore. We're going to make as many as we want. So I think also, again, like knowing that China and Russia do have a relationship, I think a lot of Americans do feel like a little bit nervous about backing out of that deal and like the relationship that they do have and like how that could impact us possibly. Yeah. Uh, Michael Dobbs, who is like the world's leading expert on the Cuban Missile Crisis, wrote an op-ed in the New York Times a while ago saying that we're closer to nuclear war than we've been since then uh so yeah i mean it is it is something that we're gonna have to start worrying about again um but i mean personally i think that it's not gonna happen because 
I mean, if you look at the Cuban Missile Crisis, there was so much like crazy stuff that happened, and there was like like the communication potential wasn't there. Like nowadays, like you can just hop on a Zoom call with you know your you know, foreign counterpart and talk things out. Back then, you couldn't do that, and we got so close, and we didn't we we didn't go to war. So, I have I have faith that we won't go to nuclear war, but like the possibility of like a confrontation between like the US and either China or Russia or both is very real. Yeah. I agree and I think I guess like we kind of use that I guess the transition if you would like into the TikTok hearing that recently happened. Um if that's okay with you. Yeah. Um I think that TikTok has definitely been a forum in some ways of people talking about those issues and talking about the possibility of nuclear war or just the tensions that have been building between the U.S., Russia, and China. Um, And if you don't know what was happening with the TikTok ban, so Congress, specifically the House Committee on on Energy and Commerce, um, sat down with Chief Officer, I don't want to say his name wrong, but I believe it's Chu Chu, and they were grilling him about TikTok over its ties to the Chinese parent company, I believe it's called ByteDance, um, and user data. And basically, there's bipartisan support actually for an increased effort to ban TikTok, which is a pretty big deal because as we know nowadays, it's so like divided that having a bipartisan support is definitely like, in my opinion, kind of like, oh wow, this is a serious thing that they're concerned about. Um, and there's, yeah, there's concerns over the effects on mental health, but I think more importantly, in sense of like lawmakers' minds, probably national security as well. And Chu told Congress that ByteDance, which is the parent company of TikTok, is not an agent of China and that there's been an updated security model. So like any of like the data that has to do with like precise location from users is people who haven't updated the app since 2020. So he was kind of almost trying to calm their nerves and say like, you know, this threat that you all are talking about isn't as big as you think it is. Um, And a big thing that I think is also really interesting that kind of, in my opinion, reminds me of like learning about like the Red Scare and such, not really like I guess, but also in a way, is like uh, a lot of members of Congress are worried about data sharing with the Chinese Communist Party because obviously, as we all know, the US hates communism and will fight against communism forever, I feel like. Um, And one of the representatives, I believe, uh, Representative Rogers, said that he believes that TikTok is a weapon uh, being used by the Chinese Communist Party to spy on us and manipulate what we see. Um, So I just thought that was really interesting. And again, it kind of relates back um, to what we were talking about with the spy balloon, because it's like a lot of people do get like their news from TikTok. And so it's, it's very interesting to hear that like, Congress is so worried about that with like security issues. What are your thoughts, Story? Yeah, I mean it's it's definitely like an anti-China move to ban TikTok. I think um, it was already banned on government devices. Uh, they did like it was like included in a budget package, which kind of makes sense because ByteDance is not it's not owned by the Chinese government, but there is like a law in China that um, says that the government can basically request like any kind of data from any company in China. And that they like have to give it up basically. So that's the worry. And like on government devices, like it kind of makes sense. But like, are you really going to like ban an entire like app that like millions of people in America use just because like 
they engage in like data collection policies that are no worse than Facebook or Instagram. <laughs> um, so like the national security part of it doesn't really make much sense to me. Uh, there were like, there was, oh, there was one, there was one clip that just made me laugh of like some like old Republican guy asking this guy, does TikTok connect to the home Wi-Fi network? It's <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> yes, yes, it has to, to access the internet. <laughs> That's so funny. He thought he thought that like if it connected to the home Wi-Fi network, that it could go and like steal data from other devices. It's like no, you can't. That's you can't do that. I mean, this is kind of random, but this is also interesting to me because the U.S. government at one point was kind of utilizing TikTok in a way uh, for COVID response because they were using TikTokers like. I know, like, for example, Ellie Zeiler um, was one, and they would have them, like, talk about COVID and, like, COVID response and, like, vaccinations. So it's kind of interesting how there's been, like, a shift in that uh, mentality, I guess you could say, of, like, oh, we can use TikTok as a tool to, like, spread information and, like, you know, encourage people to get vaccinated and such to, like, a we don't, we want to ban, like, we think it's dangerous. It's just very interesting. Yeah. The other element, I think, uh, is that like a lot of there's this big push to go against like children being on social media in general like a lot of the um a lot of the hearing wasn't even just about like data sharing with china it was about like uh like are you like recommending videos to kids that they shouldn't be seeing or something um and there was i think utah recently passed a bill that would uh basically by default ban anyone under like i think it was maybe it was even under 18 at least under 13 from having access to an account unless their parents specifically like chose to grant them from like access. Uh, so there definitely is like a big push against like children being on social media, which like, I mean, there are problems that arise from that, but like to outright ban it is just, it's, it's not really a practical solution because I mean, that's what China does right in China. Like you're not supposed to go on the internet and people do anyway. Um, so yeah. Exactly. No, I agree. Any last thoughts on this uh, topic? No, I think, I think we can keep going. Perfect. Do you want to talk about Kevin McCarthy becoming Speaker of the House? Yeah, sure. That was something that happened um, early January, uh, which I I so wish we, we could have recorded an episode about it back then because there were so many like yes. funny things happening. But basically, uh, a bunch of uh, like far-right Republicans... Uh, in the House caused a delay in electing Kevin McCarthy to become Speaker. Uh, those Republicans would be known as the Chaos Caucus, or my favorite, the Taliban 20. Um, <laughs> uh, that, was, that was a Republican actually came up with that name. Um, like one of the ones that was for McCarthy came up with that name. So, uh, yeah, it was, and eventually McCarthy obviously did get elected. Uh, but he had to basically make a bunch of concessions to this far right group of Republicans, which included people like Matt Gates, uh, Lauren Boebert. Um, what are some other names? I got, I can't remember all of them. Um, but yeah, I actually, I wrote an article about this on my Substack back when it happened. If you want to go back. And yes. Read it. You all should go check that out. If you want like more in depth information. But yeah. The story, story, keep going. I think one of the big takeaways is that uh, what ended up breaking the logjam was Trump made a call to Matt Gates and said, hey, vote for McCarthy. So what that says to me is 
Trump has like a pretty big influence on like this far right caucus in the House, and that far right caucus is has a lot of influence in the House overall because they were able to drag on this vote for a long, long time and get a lot of concessions out of McCarthy, which I don't think uh, I don't think we'll see like fully the consequences of that for a while. But yeah, thoughts. I think it's really interesting that like there was like this this really this group of Republicans who again like I think we've talked about this before on the podcast like you have the Republicans and then you have the Trump Republicans and it's very interesting to me as well and this kind of goes into our next topic but even Trump has like some differences from these republic Trump Republicans which I think is really interesting but like these like individuals I don't and again I feel like obviously like both sides of the like of the political whatever you want to say are, are flawed obviously in many ways but like these are the like people in congress who I genuinely do not understand how they have gotten reelected I mean when Marjorie Taylor Greene was reelected I was shocked or you know I just, I just can't believe it um but I just think it's crazy that like there was like this whole like almost standoff of like we're not going to vote for you because you're not as extreme as we are basically and that they had to be pushed by Trump himself to vote for uh, representative or now Speaker of the House McCarthy. So I just think it's very like it's very interesting the divide and even how like they're so almost like I don't want to misspeak but radicalized or like extreme that like even Trump is like telling them no you need to vote for this guy. I don't know. It's just it's very interesting. It's like I guess that's all I have to say. Yeah, but yeah, like you're so right. These people, I don't. I don't understand like what people see in them. Like Margaret Taylor Greene has been out there saying like that there are Jewish space lasers that are that exist, and Matt Gates is literally under investigation for sex trafficking minors. Uh, I like I don't know. Um, the fact that it's like these people that are like having so much influence in our government is is really worrying to me. It's really scary as well. Sorry, I don't want to go on a tangent, but like like you're saying, like Lauren Boebert, like I see all the time people who I actually really respect say like, oh, I love her, like family, friends and stuff. And I'm just like, how? What is so amazing about her? She's She spreads conspiracy theories and fake news as a member of Congress and is never held accountable. And I like know that she has said some really awful things about Jewish people, about Muslim people, about people who are not from the U.S. Like, why are we supporting a person to represent, you know, a community of people that's probably at least somewhat diverse and they're allowed to speak of their own constituents that way? I just don't understand why that's okay. But it'll be interesting, I think, to see as the years progress and maybe especially like in 2024 with the next election, I think... Um, if any of these people end up getting maybe booted at some point, or if there is a switch, if we have another, if whether it's Joe Biden or another Democrat who is reelected, um, or if we do somehow get, I mean, obviously we'll talk about this too, but if we do get Trump back or a different Republican like Ron DeSantis or something, or Nikki Haley, what that is going to look like in terms of determining like the next steps of how the parties are set up and like the hierarchy and stuff. I don't know. I just think it's really interesting. Yeah. Oh, there was something I was going to say that I just forgot. 
Oh, we can pause uh, for a minute if you want to remember. What was it? it was something about Lauren Boebert, I think. Oh, I was going to say, oh, yeah, Lauren Boebert almost lost her re-election. It was by, like, a few hundred votes, I think. She she barely made it. Um, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's so, crazy. Uh, yeah. You want to talk about Trump now? Sure. Yeah, go ahead. Take us away. Since we're yeah, on the topic uh, of him. Last week, uh, he posted something on his social media platform, True Social, saying this was on like a Saturday and he said, I'm going to get arrested on Tuesday. Um, and then he wasn't obviously. Uh, and there was really no reason to ever believe that he was going to be arrested on Tuesday, but there is actually a good chance that he will be arrested like within the next few weeks because he's been, uh, under investigation by grand jury, which is very close to finishing its proceedings, uh, in New York for, um, falsifying business records. Uh, the, Specific thing is that basically in like 2016, um, Michael Cohen, who was at the time his lawyer, ended up paying money to Stormy Daniels, who Trump had an affair with, to basically like keep quiet and not like go public with her story. Uh, and he basically then Trump essentially paid him back uh, using like payments to him that were labeled as legal fees in the business records, but obviously they weren't. Um, they were meant to be like campaign contributions. So um, Cohen ended up going to federal prison for this for a few years uh, and got out early, I think, for some reason. I can't remember what it was. Uh, but now he's like testifying against Trump, uh, I think, because Trump was basically like he probably could have gone to jail also at the same time. Uh, but the DOJ decided against indicting him because that's basically DOJ policy to not indict a sitting president. Uh but now, like, New York is investigating him because uh, that he's, you, you can't falsify business records, um, which is normally a misdemeanor, but it's actually a felony if it was used to aid in the commission of another crime, which they would say that federal campaign, fi campaign finance violation would be um, because Cohen is, is limited in the amount that he can contribute to a campaign, which paying Stormy Nails for her science would be considered a campaign contribution as like kind of weird as that sounds like that's i mean that's I mean, he literally went to prison for it so yeah uh i'm kind of scared actually that he's going to beat the charges <laughs> because there are a lot of issues with the case <laughs> first of all like there's statute of limitations it's like five years and this was like seven years ago so i mean there are theoretically ways around that but we don't know like if they'll actually work second like the theory that like a federal crime counts for the intensification of a state crime is not really like tested in New York. So it's, we're, we're kind of like trying new legal ground. Um, and you know, I'm no Trump fan and, and I do want him to be arrested for something, but like, I'm kind of afraid that like, uh, that he's basically going to beat the charges and then everyone's gonna be like, see, it was a deep state conspiracy and they failed. Uh, and then he's not going to like see accountability for anything else. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised because hasn't he kind of been able to wiggle his way out of things before this? Or I feel like there's always been some kind of murmurings of like, oh, he's going to get caught finally. And then it's like he always kind of finds a way to at least delay things, which is yeah, usually it's, very frustrating. Usually it's some other, you know, member of his team like Cohen or Alan Weisselberg that takes the fall. But like, I mean, now Cohen's testifying against him. So yeah, it's, yeah. 
I think there is a very real chance he's going to be arrested, like, probably fairly soon. Um, and who knows what is going to happen then. It's, I mean, I think my only comment about this is just that it shows that, like, this idea of rule of law like can obviously not be fully applied sometimes unfortunately because of the way that the system is set up and also just because of like like you said like there's issues with like the trial itself right like in the evidence and so it's I don't know it just sucks that it's often hard to bring people in power to justice for the wrong that they have done and especially with President Trump that or I think is really interesting is he was calling for people to protest and it's interesting because when pe people were protesting for, I don't want to use this as like a weapon, like weaponize this, but like when people were protesting for Black Lives Matter, which is a very important issue in our country. I mean, racism, our country was built on racism. I think that's something everybody with a brain can pretty much agree on. And I think it's interesting because President Trump was so outspoken against uh, the BLM protests and said it was like they were all riots, like, and all of these things. And I know we talked about this in Constitution Team with like how I think it was like over 90% of them were peaceful. But then it's okay for him to call for protests. And he wanted it sound, at least to me, when I've seen um, protests like in support of President Trump, there's always weapons involved, like trigger warning, just so people who don't want to hear this can, you know, skip through about 10 seconds. But people will have their huge guns. Out, and they're very intimidating. And I think that it's interesting that that to him is okay, and of you know freedom of expression, freedom of speech. But when people are protesting for their basic human rights in our country, which you know is supposed to be a country that's like best country in the world, most you know advanced, that's a problem. I don't know. I just think it's very sad and disgusting that that is what he thinks is not okay is people standing up for their human rights, but people scaring other people. Sorry, one more trigger warning. Go ahead and skip 10 seconds if you need to about gun violence. But then people who have their big guns who are intimidating people, that's that's okay. Like, I just, I don't know. It's sad. Yeah, 100%. But, yeah, anything else you want to add about Trump? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, there's, like, so many different legal, like, inquiries going on right now. There's, like, the one about the about January 6th there's the one about uh, the classified document scandal there's uh, in Georgia like the election fraud thing um, and it feels like this is like the least of our worries almost as, in, in what he's done uh, and it might be like the thing that he you know sees court for first which it would kind of be a negative way to frame issue like imagine like you know if, like a year down the line he ends up like uh, you know, beating these charges and then he gets put on trial for like January 6th and they're like, oh, well, the last time like he he got off. So he's, he's probably going to get off again now. Um, and yeah, I just, I'm kind of worried that it's going to be like, that's going to frame it negatively. But I mean, if, if they think they can get him, I mean, I'm all for rule of law. Because um, I mean, it, he did, it did, he did pretty obviously violate the law. The question is, like, on technicalities, like, whether New York is the right place to charge him. Yeah. I think something else that worries me personally, like, sorry, last thing I'll say, is because 
I know so many people can't stand President Biden. I've like heard many people say like, if it's Trump and Biden again, I'm voting for Trump. And I think that also scares me because if he does get off and he does win like the party nomination, you know, like what will another Trump presidency look like? Because we already saw how much of a, excuse me, like I'm gonna try to use the most PG term crap show it was. I mean, I'm, I honestly, it scares me to think about another Trump presidency. I don't yeah. know. It's just really, really scary. And I'm just really hoping that they're able to at least, you know, hold them accountable. Okay, so last thing, or second to last thing on the topic of has to do with Trump, kind of, is, again, I'm going to give one more trigger warning. Um, the next topic we're going to be talking about is a shooting that occurred. And I know that can be really triggering for some people. So I just want to give a heads up. Um, we can probably insert some sort of like letting you know when we're done talking in the editing process, but just so everybody knows that they do want to skip ahead. Um, but if you have not heard, or if you have, there was another school shooting at an elementary, um, school in Nashville, Tennessee. And this was actually, this to me was really interesting. This was actually at a private Christian school. And I feel like a lot of times when we hear about these shootings, they're at, public school, so I just thought that was kind of interesting, but um, tragically, three nine-year-old students lost their lives, as well as three um, adult staff members, and police did get there in about, I want to say, 10 minutes, and were able to um, kill the shooter, um, and as always, I don't want to give like any really information about the shooter, just because I feel like that's not what we should be focusing on, um, but I do think that a couple of things I do want to mention about this, like, are one, the local representative, um, Representative Andy Olgus, his Christmas card last year was his entire family holding, like, AK-47, like, assault rifles. So he is a big supporter of gun rights. And if you want to, like, see the picture or anything, um, Shin, uh, Shannon Watts, she's the founder of Moms Demand Action. Um, if you go to her Instagram, she has a lot of really interesting and important information, um, including the Christmas card and just some information about the kind of the culture with like the local politics. But um, it sounds like the shooter as well was able to legally obtain at least like half of the weapons used. Um, and it just shows like we need background checks. We need more accountability if you want to have weapons to this extent but also personal opinion i just don't understand why people need this like military grade weapons um i think also during these times like this is something i kind of want to emphasize as well is it's really hard to not be numb to these like tragic events just because i feel like every day there's something new that's happening and it feels, I think, a lot of times like, oh, there's not much, you know, we can really do. But I think we just have to continue to push our lawmakers as much as we can, whether that's, you know, joining like a local like gun violence prevention group or, you know, emailing your representatives or, you know, going to like a conference with them. Because, you know, people should feel safe going to school, going to the movie theater, going to the grocery store. And I think for me personally, like I did um, some gun violence prevention work in high school. And I will say like a lot of times when this stuff happens, it reminds me why I kind of took a step back because it is mentally draining to work on these things and then have them just keep going, like keep happening. 
But I think like something important that I keep reminding myself and I want to make sure people hear is it's okay to take time to process and grieve, even if obviously you didn't know anybody involved because it's still, you know, it's a tragic event. But also like don't lose hope because, you know, we can make a difference even if it does take time. And I just really hope that the next generation can help really reduce and ultimately put a stop to these awful events from happening. Um, and one thing I did want to mention that this has to do with Trump and I thought it was interesting um, is that after the El Paso shooting, many people actually don't know this, but this is an article from the New York Times um, and it's talking about how President Trump pushed actually towards gun control. However, his aides actually were the ones that talked him out of it because he asked them why he couldn't do anything and they were like, you won't get reelected, you're gonna lose the election. Because as we all know, um, those who support President Trump and the Republican Party are very typically pro-gun um, and like very much back, like utilize the Second Amendment to back up like why we can't have any sort of like, you know, uh, gun violence prevention measures. I think when we say gun control, people always think like, oh, take away all guns. But I think a lot of people think that there could be a middle ground between the two of like people have guns, but you also take steps to stop the gun violence that's occurring. You know, some more background checks and different um, things like that that will help lower the incidence of violence. Um, and so, yeah, like I guess after uh, the shooting in Parkland, Florida, President Trump met with um, U.S. senators, and he was arguing for gun safety measures that um, actually the NRA has opposed for years. But he was basically not, and this is not at all to say like, oh, go Trump, because ultimately, you know, he has a choice to do what he thinks is best, and he let the NRA and his aides convince him not to do it. So this is a fall on him. I just thought this was really interesting, because I think that a lot of people don't know that he actually was trying to push for it at one point. Um, but yeah, he backed down immediately when he met with the NRA after he had suggested some gun violence prevention measures or anything. Like, I guess this is a quote, I, last thing I'll say, but he said, what are we going to do about assault rifles? And uh, Mick Mulvaney, who was his acting chief of staff said, not quote, not a damn thing. And I don't know, I just, it's just sad that at the end of the day, politics take priority over the lives of American people. I just think it's really sad. Anything you want to add, Story? Yeah. Uh, I mean, we've talked about this on our show a, a lot of times. It's probably the issue we've talked about the most. Um, yeah, I saw a, a picture going around on social media of a, a woman holding up a sign that said, uh, if I die in a mass shooting, leave my body in the steps of Congress. Uh, and that, that kind of spoke to me because it just, it seems like every time, like nothing gets done, even though basically every like mass shooting could be, uh, prevented by these, like what you call like middle of the road policies, um, that don't involve like banning every gun. Uh, like the, the one in Nashville, uh, she was literally like under like undergoing treatment for like emotional disorders and she was able to buy like seven guns legally um like that's that just shouldn't happen um and we can create a world that doesn't have that happen where you can still have you know christmas cards with ak-47s uh those aren't you know incompatible <laughs> uh, 
And yeah, I I I have to hope that there's a better world possible, but uh, it seems like there are a, a lot of people that are standing in the way of that because their own personal interests. Yeah, it's it's really sad. I think, and like you said, like I feel like we've talked about this issue so much on the show, and it's just it's hard sometimes when we just have to continue talking about it. But I also feel like it's important to to highlight that this is still happening and you know that it's real um but yeah so yeah if you if you are interested in gun violence prevention work again i definitely recommend getting involved but i think it's also important again to recognize like everybody needs a break sometimes because even though these issues are important and need attention you know it's also important to take mental breaks because it can be a lot to handle and a lot of emotional like uh just a lot, I think, is the best way to put it. Yeah, so like, next we're going to talk about the Willow Project, uh, which is basically a big oil drilling project in Alaska that has been sort of like up in the air for like several years. Um, it was initially approved by the Trump administration and then challenged by activists and blocked because it was going to be horrible for the environment by a judge. And now like the Biden administration scaled it down a little bit and then approved it. Uh, even though <laughs> during, uh, when he was campaigning, he said, I am absolutely opposed to like any kind of oil drilling on federal lands. Um, and here we are. Um, it seems like the reason why is that, uh, he's essentially worried that if, if they did like veto the project, then they would get sued by the oil company because oil companies had like the rights to do it for a long time. And they spent a lot of money on it, but like, who cares? It's like, it's going to destroy the environment. <laughs> uh, I want a president who's going to say like, yeah, we'll, we'll like, you know, fight off the lawsuit from the oil company, you know, to protect the environment. And it seems like the Biden administration is just not doing that. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's basically the story. If you want to add anything else, go ahead. Yeah. Um, I just, I guess, like, just like a couple other details about the project is, um, so the area that they want to drill on is the North Slope of Alaska, and um, the area holds about 600 million barrels of oil. And so ConocoPhillips, which is the Houston-based energy company that, like, was kind of, like, heading the project, I guess you could say, um, like, they're, they, like, obviously would have a major issue, like you were saying, like, if the Biden administration did block them, um, from like doing the project because it would be very profitable for them and even though the Biden Biden administration like you said like did kind of scale down the project I think it was like five drill pads and they got it down to three they still are going to get 90% of the oil that they were hoping to and a lot of people have been outspoken about this like you were saying because of the issues with like the climate crisis and how those could affect it more and make it worse um, and I think it's interesting that the Biden administration did end up going forward with this project, especially with the Inflation Reduction Act and all of the measures for climate change, like fighting against that and trying to reverse it and also like, you know, working towards more green energy and just how like this is a step in the opposite direction. And I thought this was really interesting. I read earlier today, um, over 5 million people have opposed opposition to the Willow Project and actually signed a petition. Um, I think there was like two or three like bigger petitions that went around. And Earth Justice, which is one of the... Um, 
organizations that had a petition that people signed is actually suing the Biden administration as of March uh, 15th and saying that this is an injustice and that um, it needs to be stopped because it's going to further climate change and make the climate crisis just so much worse. Um, and I think it's also a difficult um, like issue because Alaska state lawmakers approve of it and say that it will reduce you know dependence on foreign oil and that it'll be good for the economy. Um, and I, I also know that there's some like local groups who don't live as near to like where the project will be taking place who also support it again like in terms of the economy and you know job creation and such. But there's also a lot of people who live closer to the site who are very opposed to it because of the effects of the project. So just very disappointing. And I feel like I feel like today we had so many like sad news stories to share or just like nothing positive. Um, but I think it's definitely important to just be aware of, you know, that these things are happening. And I know that um, energy just or earth justice has a, a new petition um, that you can definitely go sign as well. I signed it earlier that is like towards their lawsuit of trying to urge them from stopping the project. So I don't know. I just, it's really hard that our government who is supposed to be helping us prevent further climate change is now so like, you know, in support of something or at least approving of something that is going to put us back in time more and hurt future generations and, you know, the wildlife and just the land itself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, like there, there are like people that support it because it would be like good for the economy. Like people do get jobs like working on these projects and they make money, but like, uh, it's not like the only job that those people can do is like destroying the climate <laughs> because that's, I mean, that's what it's doing. Right. I mean, like they're making oil, but like the, the end effect is that like, uh, you know, you cause a lot of damage to the environment. And, and I think, you know, those people aren't like bad people for doing that, but they're just trying to make a living, but, uh, they can work somewhere else. <laughs> um, <laughs> exactly. I mean, I think, sorry, last thing I swear, but, um, I know in my political science class, we were talking about how in France, President Macron was, like, trying to do some... I don't remember exactly what it was, but he was trying to, like, do some bill that had to do with climate change. And people were upset because they were, like, Macron is thinking about 10 years from now, right? And we're thinking about the end of the month. Like, we need to be able to work. We need to be able to have, like, access to certain resources. And, you know, too bad. Like, we have to be able to live. So I think it's also hard because, you know, for us... And for people in this generation, it's like we're so focused on like the current. And I think a lot of times like we have leaders who are either like kind of the same way and don't really care, which can kind of create a hard area because we do need to protect the environment for the future. But also you have leaders um, who are focused on the future and who make decisions that then people don't like because they're like, no, you know, I need this to survive. So it's, it's I think it's a very hard area sometimes. Yeah, uh, this is where I like would like to bring up my favorite musical of all time called You're in Town. Uh, <laughs> and basically, I mean, the, the way that that show ends is that like uh, the, everyone ends up like 
there's this big number they're like don't think of tomorrow just think of today and then they end up like drinking all the water in the world and dying uh oh my God. so <laughs> uh yeah um don't uh don't do that um yeah uh anything else you want to talk about i don't think so what about you uh, well i guess no 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 uh that's it perfect uh, thank well, you all for tuning in yes hopefully hopefully next episode we will have a couple more of like more positive stories to share with you all but thank you as always for tuning in and i hope that you all learned something or you know just enjoyed listening to our conversation and also i wanted to say like if you all ever have anything that you want us to talk about like feel free to comment on our instagram i don't feel like a lot of people know but we do have an instagram um and you all should follow that as well and let us know or dm us or whatever if you would ever have any topics for us or if anybody would ever want to be a guest star or anything like that yeah we're always open um and on that note sunset out